Hi, everyone. It's Gracie with Self-Care with Gracie. Welcome back. It's nice to have a moment to podcast because I'm in my apartment and I'm my whole living room is filled with boxes. For those of you who are into Ayurveda, I would say I'm like kind of vata imbalanced right now. You might hear it in my voice. And um, what helps me the most, it, two things are helping me move. One is to make sure that I'm sitting down and eating regular meals that I cook for myself. That is like total self-care hack. And also working and having conversations with, with great people really grounds me, which leads us to today. And I have a guest on the podcast named Rob Hartman. Hi, Rob. Hey, everybody. Nice to have you here, Rob. And um, I've known Rob in D.C. for a little while, and I, I knew we were both were working on our books at the same time. He got, he got his done, which is really great, and he's going to tell us a lot more about it. And what Rob really is invested in is helping people um, with advanced stress resiliency techniques. And he's trained war veterans, members of the Special Forces, executives, yoga teachers, physical therapists, martial arts, medical doctors, lawyers, gamers, and stress parents, among others. And he has a unique approach which synthesizes techniques from the continued training and certifications he pursues, which he will tell us more about. And these techniques work on the physiological level to bring about deep states of relaxation. He funded a nonprofit, the Stress Free DC Project, which I was just telling him feels like the most necessary project ever. <laughs> or if you don't live in DC, we, we thrive on a fair amount of stress here, and, and in his effort to help the D.C. community to teach um, and to teach war stress resiliency skills to war veterans, teachers, and social services staff. I, um, he was asking if I knew any nonprofits in the D.C. area a while back, and I connected him with Thrive D.C., which is the place of the homeless services program where I'm on the board, and I volunteered for a long time, and everyone raved about his workshop and said how much it helped him. And I'm really honored to have you on the podcast here, Rob. So thanks for being here. And can you start by giving us a background into you and your life and how you got so interested in this, this kind of stress resiliency techniques and started this nonprofit? Mm-hmm. Gracie, it's awesome uh, to be with you today, as, as it is always, whether we're having coffee or just seeing, seeing each other around town. Um, I got involved in stress resilience because I've always had a super stressful life. Uh, I had a quite a very stressful, uh, some would say dramatic or, or traumatic childhood. And then I got involved in cybersecurity and, and cyber warfare when I was in college. And so this year is actually two decades that I've been working in cybersecurity in the D.C. area. Um, and so <clears throat> for many years, I just, I couldn't calm down. I was super hyped up, stressed out, excited or anxious. And my friends would say, relax. And I needed to find, in 2009, I was, I was helping with supercompute centers and space platforms. And I really needed to find a way to avoid burning out again. Um, unfortunately, I burnt out, or for, fortunately, I burnt out, and I started this journey to find, you know, what are the most advanced methods of relieving stress, and, and I had to learn how to start to take care of myself. So it's been an, it's been an awesome adventure since then. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's, it's amazing because it sounds like you've really been in the trenches. 
mm. of like cybersecurity in DC and and the amount of I think fear that must be involved in that or like your job is like really thinking of all the worst possible solutions or the mm-hmm. worst possible things that can happen and then pre-anticipating those solutions and it's making me think about our nervous systems and just how we're, our nervous systems are already like kind of geared, like, is there a threat? And if we're telling our nervous systems all the time, like threat, 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 like our our nervous system has no choice but to get amped up. And Mm -hmm. I'd love to hear from you, like what actually like getting down to the basics, like what is stress and how does that affect our our nervous system? and, And what have you learned about the ways that that can become habitual? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, totally. Yeah, so basically it boils down to, you know, our nervous system, our autonomic nervous system is basically in one of two modes. It's either in fight-flight mode or it's in rest-digest mode. And we're supposed to live life in a rest-digest mode, just calm and kind of happy-go-lucky about how things are going um, and then we're only supposed to be in fight-flight mode for just brief periods while we're being, let's say, chased by a tiger. But unfortunately, what's happening in the modern uh, society is that we, we fall into a, a trap of being in that fight-flight mode too often. And unfortunately, fight-flight leads to a degeneration of the body. It, um, it's, it's quite taxing on us. Um, and then when we get stuck there, we don't sleep well. We, get, we don't think. We, we may have a very focused thought, but we don't have a very expanded uh, view of life. So we're just interested in surviving uh, the moment. And... Uh, you know, when I started to learn about how fascinating the nervous system is, uh, that's what led me to, to, to start to write the book, Hacking, Hacking Your Nervous System, because I was, my whole life I was stuck in, in that fight-flight mode. Hmm? Yeah. I, I think so many of us actually are stuck in fight or flight, and we don't even know that there's another option to it mm-hmm. and I, I can mm-hmm. relate to that I all through high school um, I was so stressed out about school and getting into college and grades and, and I, I was using that as a, as a coping mechanism for other issues that I wasn't dealing with and I understand that now but at the time I was just always feeling like I should be doing more I'm not doing enough and then when I started when I got into college and I started to go to yoga classes I remember like feeling so good when I would get out of the room, like after lying on my back for 10 minutes at the end and breathing, then the stress would start to come back the habitual thing. And I was like, Oh, that actually feels really bad. Like I, but I didn't have a context for it feeling so bad until I actually turned that response off and turned the, the rest and digest on. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that that is really like the first step for a lot of us is to just start to understand when we do get really activated, like what's, what's happening. So what are, what are some of the indicators that, that you found for like knowing in yourself and other people when the nervous system is, is turned on to this uh, fight or flight? And what are, mm-hmm. what are a few of the techniques like to begin to help people to get out of that mode, <laughs> back into the, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. nice happy mode? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Well, let's, let's go ahead and assume that probably most people are in that uh, fight-flight mode. And you can tell if you're in fight-flight because you may feel that you're either running out of time, running out of money, or running out of love. So if you feel that there's an inadequate supply of something, then you're probably triggering, it's probably triggering some anxiety uh, or some fear. And so essentially, you know, anytime uh, we're in that, a little bit of that fear state, then we can go, then we go into fight flight. And what happens, some other things that happen when we're in fight flight is we don't breathe fully and our body tends to contract or we hold different tension patterns in the, in the body. So at a physiological level, if, if your belly is not expanding when you breathe, you, you may be in a little bit of fight flight or a lot of fight flight. If you have, uh, uh, if you have tension, especially in the pelvic region, then you're, you're spending a good amount of time in fight-flight. And the reason it's in the pelvic region is because when we feel fear or when we feel stress or a threat or something like that, then the body physiologically tenses the muscles in the pelvis to protect the abdomen and to get us ready to run. And so... <clears throat> Usually the psoas, uh, which connects the legs to the lower back, will tense up, and the adductors and some other muscle groups there. So, uh, so one of the things that I teach in the workshops is how to release those. But maybe we can start with a simple technique. You want to do this together, Gracie? I, I was just thinking, like, this is the perfect podcast for me to be listening to today because I think I'm on the edge of really – with the moving, like going into fight or flight mode. So yes, please. Mm, mm, mm. Good, good, good. So every little bit of background, and then we'll do something I call parachute breath. Um, so every inhale is actually fight flight. And by the way, fight flight isn't necessarily bad. It's great to have fight flight or excitement in your life. Um, and, and having a good balance of it with parasympathetic is, is, is optimal. So, uh, so every inhale is, is a little bit of fight flight and every exhale is rest, digest or parasympathetic. And so if we put our attention on the exhale and extend the exhale, then we will go a little bit into that parasympathetic mode. And, okay, yeah, so let's, let's all uh, do this together. Uh, parachute breath. Let's take a deep inhale through the nose, add a little bit more, and then a very slow exhale through the mouth. Then when you reach the end of that exhale, take another deep inhale through the nose, add a little bit more, and a very slow exhale through the mouth. 
Notice how that sort of calms the mind, it relaxes the body. And I should have said, um, if you're driving or operating a crane or something like that, um, don't, don't do that breathing technique continuously. <laughs> how, did that, how did that make you feel, Gracie? <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> so good, good, it, good, good. it blows my mind how, like, little time that actually we need to invest in some of these relaxation techniques for them to start to work. Mm-hmm. And I think it's indicative of what the mindset and the, the sympathetic response of so that fight or flight stress response is like, well, I don't have enough time to go to yoga. Who has 45 minutes or an hour to do yoga and fully relax? And it's, we tell ourselves that this relaxation actually has to be a stressful process. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and really, it can be just like a few deep breaths to like calm ourselves down. Mm-hmm. Totally. I'm interested in what you said about having an expanded view of life and mm-hmm. how it relates to what I, I think a lot of modern culture perpetuated by a very constant media that thrives on um, scarcity. So letting people mm-hmm. know that there's not enough money, time, or love, and that they need to buy things or watch things or do things mm-hmm. to find that for themselves, and mm-hmm. how it's a, a self-perpetuating process. So the more that we feel like, oh, th- this is there's only one option, or this is the right way, that we kind of follow those sources. Um, you know, Fox News is flashing in my mind a little bit as I say that, and mm-hmm. how. Yeah, can you can you talk a little bit more about like what what like the opposite of that would be in that more abundance based reality um, based on that expansion? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so we're uh, so so our lives alternate between expansion and contraction, and in the when we're in fight flight, things are contracted. The body the mind, and the breath. And then when we're in parasympathetic, then we're at peace with everything. We're at kind of one with everything. And we know that even if it feels a little off, we're going to be okay. Because at the end of the day, you know, we're traveling at almost half a million miles around the center of the galaxy and somehow all of the particles in your body are staying together in just the way that it, they need to be together in order for your body to function. And so when we shift into that more expanded worldview or universe view, then that also can calm the body down. Um, Sometimes it takes a little bit of practice because it's so uncomfortable for us to fall into that, that, that mindset that everything is going to be okay. And so, so one of the things that, you know, I think about as this topic comes up is that when we're in fight flight, we're thinking the end of the world is, is upon us uh, or, or this is the worst or, you know, these sorts of uh, very, contracted views and sometimes what I'll do when I'm feeling like oh my gosh the end of the world is is upon me because even with all these techniques sometimes it happens to me it gives me a chance to practice these these techniques is that I'll think to myself 
how many times have I been right about this in the past? Um, and the fact of the matter is that, I, you know, I haven't, I haven't really experienced the end of the world yet. It's felt that way, but it actually didn't, didn't happen. Does that make, does that make sense, Gracie? Absolutely. It, it occurs to me sometimes that every, every culture or every um, generation wants to think that they're like the last generation. <laughs> There's sort of like mm-hmm. an e- ego equality to that, that we think that we're the ones who are going to run it all into the ground. And that people have probably been thinking this for a long time. Just like thinking about like n- nuclear war with the Russians, you know, that felt like such a huge reality for people. And people were so afraid of that and invested so much time and energy and really changed the culture to think that and that, you know, we think that that as well, which I don't think alleviates us from the responsibility of caring for the environment and passing on the world to a future generation. It's, it's just that I don't know many people that are actually very well motivated by fear to, to change things. Mm-hmm. That fear, fear is that constant, like, monkey on your shoulder telling you that you have to, or I'll, say, I'll speak in the eye. Like, when I'm afraid of something, it's just this constant, like, voice in my head, like, you have to do this. You shouldn't be spending money on that. There's not enough. And, um, and that would be great if it actually did make me change things, but usually I just get so exhausted <laughs> that I, like, don't have the energy to change. And what yeah. I find that actually does motivate me to change is that relaxation state. Feeling like, okay, there's enough. I'm going to chill out. Let me just regroup. Let me be strategic. Mm-hmm. And that gives me the focus and the clarity and the energy to actually make a change. So I, I think a lot of us do think that fear is necessary for motivation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That brings up a really, really good point. Um, there's this, you know, we, we've talked a little bit about rest, digest, and fight, flight. There's another mode that's even the, the, the more serious mode that our nervous system can go into, and that's either freeze or faint. And it's on the extremes of those, uh, of the, this is called, for those that are interested in the science, it's the polyvagal curve, and it's the rhythm of the, the nervous system. Um, I talk about it a little bit in the book. And so, so freeze and faint are often um, initiated by or provoked by the feeling of shame. And so, so shame is the most destructive emotion for our body and mind. And <clears throat> so the first thing, if there's any shame in the, in the mind-body, then to work on that first, and then the fear. And so the best way, well, one of the best ways to work with shame is with care and, and really um, holding space for it in a, um, in a firm and, and, and compassionate way. Yeah. That's, fascinating about um shame being that actual fight flight or no it's freeze or faint that's what you called it that response yeah it's so it's fight flight and then if the fight doesn't work then we we freeze and we literally we freeze and we we curl up into a ball going into fetal a fetal position or we just our body goes into a, a state called the dorsal vagal response, 
which is a, a freeze response. And so oftentimes when somebody is, is assaulted or traumatized, you know, they've exhausted the fight-flight state, and then they go into a fetal protective state or a frozen state. Um, and this can happen also in our minds um, when we're in a, in, a, in a bad meeting or something from the past gets triggered, we go into that defensive kind of protective subconscious place of like seizing up. And um, it's, it's, it's just, it's sad that, uh, it, it's very good that we go through that, but it's sad that so much of uh, what happens in today's culture puts us into that freeze, can put us into that freeze state. I agree with you, and what, I'm curious, what's, what's good about that response? Just because I do think it is such an absolutely fundamental human response, and I've learned this from Brene Brown, yeah. that her, her work on shame resiliency is really powerful, and that the, the way through it is really to reach out, and that you're like, you're right to care, just to give it the space. You don't try to hide it or make it go away. You actually have to bring it out into the light. Yeah. But I, I think I've never, I've never considered why, what might be a positive aspect of having it. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Well, yeah. So let me, let me be clear about it. It's, it's terrible that we continue to experience it. And hopefully we can get to the point where our, because our bodies want to naturally shed that. Um, certainly being re-exposed to it is, is bad for us. But in the moment of a uh, of a impending uh, trauma to the body, um, it may be good for us to shut off, to not to not feel um, what's what's happening, and and protect ourselves as much as possible. We don't want to be living life from that state. We want to get more and more powerful and shed all of shed what we need to shed from the past so that we can we can do that and i i hope i'm i hope i'm speaking in a in a way that's that's clear that just in that moment it may be good for us to protect ourselves with the freeze response just like when a leopard so if a leopard is chasing a gazelle um, it goes through the fight flight, and then at the moment before a leopard um, jumps on the gazelle, the gazelle will protect itself by going into that freeze response and <clears throat> and to not to not feel uh, what's happening. Now, in the natural world, what happens is the gazelle will stand up and shake off all of that uh, all of that energy um, and, and usually be met with a herd that is there to socially support the gazelle's recovery through that experience. And unfortunately, modern humans are not so good at doing that. And so we need to cultivate ways to allow the body to shake off that that energy, and that's one of the things that I teach in my workshops, how do you physiologically um, shake off and recalibrate the nervous system? And then society at large, uh, it'd be great if we, we were better about um, providing that support uh, for, 
for people that are that have gone through uh, big stress or trauma. Beautiful. It makes it makes a lot of sense to me in just knowing my own experience and other people's experiences of like we get that shame response activated when we are children and in a space that's not necessarily feeling safe to us and that 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 can be the way that we say like enough <laughs> like I'm shutting down right now and that mm-hmm. it can actually be like a form of control that we have of like this is how much I'm actually going to let in and this is where I start to pull away and that, that that's a really healthy response. And, and what I'm hearing and what you're saying is that if we live in that response, then that's a really uncomfortable way to live, mm-hmm. to do it all the time. Mm-hmm. But when it does come up having the skill set to know how to understand what's happening, being like, okay, this is like the shame. I'm like really wanting to curl in on myself. And I really know that response in my body, like my shoulders want to hunch, my chest wants to cave and I want to get low and down. And I, I see it like with my dog, when he's like really, really frightened, he wants to get really low to the ground. He wants to like squeeze under the bed. So it's like, I feel that response in me too. And that what we need in those moments is instead of being so alone is to like carefully get into a situation that feels safe, shake it off, move, mm-hmm. and then surround ourselves with, with people that, that care about us. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. It, it feels really wonderful when we take this deeply personal thing that we think is a character flaw, which I think many of us who do go through that response believe that about ourselves and say like, nope, this is just what the human body does or what animal bodies do and that the, this is normal and this is how you deal with it. it to me, it, it really takes it out of the personal and makes it, um, makes it yeah, like self-care, just like this is what we do when this, this response comes up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. How does this work come up in your, your work with um, war veterans? and working with that kind of trauma? Yeah, so, uh, so war vets or, um, or, or people that have been through difficult childhoods um, where it felt like war, um, it, it causes an impact on the, on the nervous system, an impression on the nervous system. And fortunately, the techniques in... Uh, Asia, uh, the yogi, the kung fu artists, etc., have uh, neat techniques for rebalancing and recalibrating the nervous system. And so uh, we'll often use uh, breathwork techniques, special breathwork techniques that um, help in, in reestablishing uh, a, a healthy ba- baseline. And actually, when you look at the gazelle, going back to the gazelle example, the first thing that the gazelle will do is take a few really deep breaths into the belly uh, after the difficult experience. And so uh, I encourage the, the vets and other folks that I work with to uh, adopt a practice of, of some breath work, um, adopt a practice of releasing the... the, the uh, Fight flight muscles in the body uh, with a with a tension releasing technique that I teach, and then um, re reexamine the uh, mental patterns that that may be there and, and challenge them. Is it really true the 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 fear thoughts or the or the shame thoughts um, to flip things from more of a uh, more of a contracted mindset to more of an expanded mindset? 
by the way, these are the same practices that I have to do um, on a daily or weekly basis uh, because it's, you know, because of some of the things that I've been through and, and some of the things that I'm still trying to, to, to learn. I consider myself still a learner in this, even though I, I sometimes teach too. Most of my favorite teachers are still very much learners. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So that that makes a lot of sense. And I, I like how you refer to it as a practice, that it's not like you do this once or twice. Your nervous system is healed. You figured yourself out, and then you go on to a stress-free life. It's, it sounds like stress being stress-free means that you are taking time out of, you know, on a daily or weekly basis to really make sure that you're staying in touch with how you're feeling. Oh, totally. Yeah, is it is it uh... – Sometimes I think, am I spending more attention to brushing my teeth than to caring for my nervous system? And when the answer is yes, chances are I'm not really feeling so good. So I need to floss my my nervous system and brain. (laughs) (laughs) What are are some of the results you've seen? um, I'm curious about in your own life from starting to Mm -hmm. bring some of these practices in and also if you have any stories from some of the vets that you've worked with or other people that that help them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So from my own life, I I used to live on a daily basis as if the end of the world was coming. And um, given some of the things that I've seen in in cyberspace, I had plenty of uh, material for my imagination to work with um, and now I feel I still have stress in my life. Um, I still sometimes go to a contracted worldview where I think, you know, things are the worst. But now I have the tools to be able to make the shifts um, in, in my thinking patterns, in my physiology. I've, I've lost a, a lot of weight, and I used to be on a lot of uh, meds, um, and working with doctors and uh, getting a whole staff of self-care, uh, like a board of, of self-care folks, a, a coach, a, a trainer. Um, you know, I've been able to uh, take these techniques into practice, lose the weight, uh, ditch uh, some of the some of the, the, the bad thoughts, and then in in some of the vets, the the best thing that I think, you know, either a vet or anybody else that's, that's dealing with stress can experience is going from a place of, um, you know, a really down place and just inspiring a little bit of hope that things can change. Um, and that they, if there's one thing I'd love people to, to get, it's that there are ways that you can hack your nervous system to, to just have a little bit, little bit better uh, life and then you can be your own neuroscientist and continue to, to play with this. Of course, have a, have a good doctor, and if you want to or need to, have a good therapist to work with, but also learn some, some DIY techniques. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it sounds like it's, it's a lot of like taking responsibility and mm-hmm. leading your way through this. And, yeah, I... I, I'm glad you brought up medication. It's something a few people have been reaching out to me about recently, just asking, you know, like my thoughts on like taking antidepressants or anti-anxiety medication. And I, I really don't have an opinion on it. But I do mm-hmm. think that when, I guess I do have an opinion. So like, I don't have an opinion, but here's my opinion. 
Mm-hmm. I, I think that if you need them, you need them. And that's a personal choice everyone has to make for themselves. But I, I think that mm-hmm. there are always other self-care techniques that can help along the path. If, if you are needing those medications or thinking you need those medications, that there's always things that are not medications that can help you whether or not you decide to take them. And that by employing those and really cultivating that feeling of like, okay, I can, this like personal empowerment is mm-hmm. so important because mm-hmm. we live in a culture that tells us that we have to look outside of ourselves for help and how to take care of ourselves. So we have to go to the doctor to tell us what's wrong. We have to go to our psychiatrist to tell us what's going on inside of our heads. And I'm not saying that having healing professionals helping and supporting is not necessary, but I, I really love it when all that help and support goes back to that central idea that, that we know how to take care of ourselves and that we're allowed to give ourselves that space. Because just in my own life and in my clients' lives, that's what I find to be most effective. So your, your techniques feel very much in alignment with, with that belief I have for myself. Totally. Yeah, no, no shame if, if, if you want or need the, the meds or if, any of, if none of my techniques work, then they, they simply don't, don't work for you. That's cool. Um, it, yeah. See, you know, play with to see what, what works best for, for you. It feels like there's a lot of power in experimentation and saying no sometimes, but like, nope yoga doesn't work for me. And I love meeting people who are like, I did yoga, I didn't like it. Mm-hmm, <laughs> and of, mm-hmm. of course there's a part of me that's like, no, you have to go to the right class and you have to do this. But I'm like, maybe that really isn't your path. And maybe, mm-hmm. you know, doing some like distance running is really the thing for you, which I know is not the thing for me, especially not right now in my life. But <laughs> as, as holding space for each other just to do that kind of experimentation and to really search for the answers for our well-being is... Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's the responsibility we have for each to, towards each other for care as well. Mm-hmm. We're really lucky because we get to evolve. And so the cool thing is that what, what works, what may work for me now, it may change in the future. I may add things. I may shed things. And so we, we get that chance to, to, to every day evolve just a little bit or every year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Something that else I wanted to ask you about was a depression because you said before, like it's important to have some fight or flight response. And it made me think about people who are depressed who just don't feel mm-hmm. any excitement in their life at all. Like, is that mm-hmm. something you've come across in your work and are there any techniques that you recommend for depression? Mm-hmm. So I can say that I've come across it personally. Uh, I uh, lived very depressed for, for many years and and so I, I was on antidepressants for for many years. Um, there's for for me there was a lot of shame that I was working with, and that that kept me in a, a depressed state. And there was also a lot of violence uh, against self. And <clears throat> so, you know, I'm not a I'm not a psychologist or a, a social worker or anything, but. Um, for me, I think the depression can sometimes be violence against self, and that that's um, gosh, we're we're such beautiful creatures that 
you know, I, I just came back from a class where we were looking at cellular respiration and how our cells breathe. And it was just so fascinating to me that um, I don't give myself credit for this phenomenal millions or billions of cells that are together in my body, um, you know, breathing. And so I think, um, I think you know, when we're, when we're suffering from depression or anxiety, all hands on deck um, to do everything um, that needs – that, that, that you can do to get into a better state and uh, learn to tran- transcend that. Um, don't go at it alone. And if the person that you're working with isn't working for you, continue trying to find somebody that, that works uh, better for you, definitely. I think that's such great advice. I, I always say this about like therapists and healers in your life. Like, if they're not rocking your world like find someone who is because <laughs> there are people out there who like the conversations you have with them and the insights that you, they share with you and that you share with them. Like if it doesn't, if you don't feel like changed by those interactions, at least, you know, every other session that like you deserve mm-hmm. to have someone that you do think that does help you to really get to the core of what's going on. Cause I, I know people who have been in therapy for a long time and they feel like it stopped being effective for them a long time ago and you're allowed to find that person and switch it up if it's not working for you anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and sometimes shedding those layers takes a while and it's uncomfortable. That's for sure. Good, good, good. Change is so uncomfortable. <laughs> totally. <laughs> I'm mm. sitting in it. Sorry, I pulled my headphones out. Um, I, I'm sitting in it so much right now that even like really positive change of moving my partner and I bought a new car this week and we're moving into a new house on Thursday and going to have a baby this summer. And I'm just like, this is amazing. And my nervous system is so to its max right now. And so just understanding that even if you are making positive change, you still need to do this stuff too. If things are going well. Oh, um, totally. Yeah. It's, it's like the brillowing of the nervous system. It's getting cleaned by all of these events, uh, and, but that's an uncomfortable process. <laughs> growth growth mm-hmm. hurts a little bit. Mm-hmm. Totally. Rob, I, I always like to finish these conversations with the question of what self-care means to you because it's such a big concept and it can have such variations for different people. So I'm, I'm very curious. Like what, how do you define self-care for yourself? I think the... First, it's self-protection. So making sure that uh, I am taking care of the safety requirements for myself on on the various levels, uh, spiritual, physical, intellectual, creative, and emotional. And so uh, protecting the the core essence of, of who I am and then establishing a practice to to do that, and that practice may involve may evolve over time, um, but typically that means doing something for self care before I leave uh, for for my daily activities. And it may be just enjoying a cup of coffee or doing some breath work or doing some stretches, but then throughout the day. 
um, observing, you know, am I, am, am I uh, doing good care? Unfortunately, humans don't have indicator lights that are as clear as the car. You know, your car says, check engine, check your breath. Or <laughs> so uh, check the oil level, check the hydration level. But yeah, returning throughout it, uh, throughout the day and, and seeing, seeing where things are at. Mm-hmm. So self-protection, taking some time to center yourself before you go and go out into the, the big crazy world we live in and, mm-hmm. um, and checking in with yourself throughout the day. Yep. That's, that, that feels all right on to me. I love it. Rob, thank you so much for being here. And I'm sure many of the, the people who are listening to this, particularly those who live in D.C., are, would like to know more about your work and your book and Stress-Free D.C. So can you give us um, the, the next steps for how to stay in touch with you? Yeah. So I have a website called stressfreedc.org and another website, robhartman.net. Um, and if you go to robhartman.net, you can get the first couple chapters of my book, Hacking Your Nervous System. Congratulations. It's a beautiful book. It has a lot of wonderful information in there. Um, Rob, Rob sent me a copy of it, which I love. So congratulations on finishing your book, and thank you for sharing all of this information and sharing it in the way that you do with the populations that you share it with. I'm, I'm very touched by that. Sweet. It was awesome to be on the show with you, Gracie. I love, I love connecting with you, and you've just got such a generous way about you. I, I aspire to, uh, to provide the same to the world. Ah, thank you. Thanks. That's great. It made me feel wonderful. Um, so everybody who's listening out there, you know, just I think first thing is to like start to just tune in to like, am I stressed out right now? And to know that it's, it's okay to be stressed out and also to know that there's another reality that's available, but it's going to take a little bit of practice and a little bit of effort to do that. And then it can be as simple, practice the parachute breath that Rob taught us and, um, and just start to notice how it feels to, to shift around in that space. And, and I love his idea of just checking in with ourselves throughout the day. Like, do I need a little bit of like relaxation right now? So I, um, as always, I, hope you take care of yourselves thank you for tuning in i will talk to you on the other side of this move that's what the next podcast will be after i've moved into the new place so i'll look forward to sharing more about that with you so thank you rob thank you everybody and have a good rest of your day or evening bye-bye Hi, this is Gracie with Beautiful Life Self-Care. Thanks so much for listening to the show. I hope you learned something new. If you want to connect more, then visit me at selfcarewithgracie.com. There you can sign up for my weekly newsletter where on Wednesday afternoons, I'll send you more self-care practices, more inspiration, and more opportunity to connect to a community of people who really care about really good self-care. Also, write me if you have any other questions or if you have ideas for future shows. My email address is selfcarewithgracie at gmail.com. Thanks a lot. And remember, keep putting yourself first and everything else will fall into place. Mm -hmm.